Right. If you'd like a voice that's easy, expressive and human, if you want to deliver your words in a way that really makes your listener feel something, you know, and if you want a clearer voice during hay fever season, cold and flu season and even... Yikes, I've sung too loud at a Bon Jovi concert season. (laughs) Then join me for Mouth to Mic. It's my new online voice training programme that comes with its own private community of voice gigs, just like you. For all the info, head over to bit.ly forward slash mouth to mic. That's bit.ly forward slash mouth to mic. Welcome to the Voice Coach Podcast, here for all your speaking voice training and guidance. My name is Nick Redman and I am offering you all sorts of nuggets of wisdom on how to keep your voice in good working order and a true representation of who you are. So if you're a podcaster, presenter, actor, speaker or voiceover artist or a general voice geek, you're in good hands. Shall we get started? And we're back and don't get too emotional, but it is the final part of these well strung out first birthday celebrations in honour of the Voice Coach podcast. Yay! What fun it's been. I hope you've enjoyed the extra chats with people because I know we don't do chats usually in this podcast, but I've really had a lovely time and I just love sharing some other expert opinions with you because it's so useful for your practice. So here we are, Nick Ribbon Voice HQ, the birthday balloons are deflating, the fizzy pop's gone flat, the cake's nearly done. (laughs) Sad times. But look, we've listened, we've had all the crack and we've learned loads and that's just great. What more do you want from your birthday? (laughs) So today I've got the second half of my chat with Barbara Houseman for you. And this is where it gets really, really useful. I mean, the first half was great too, but there's some solid gold nuggets of actionable advice coming up in this bit. So have your notebooks at the ready. Before we get into it, just a quick reminder to register for the Vocal Empowerment Programme. Be your own voice coach. That's my next online course starting in February. You can get a space by 9pm UK time this evening, which is Wednesday, the 3rd of February. So don't miss it. If you're the sort of person who, you know, likes to know how to look after their voice, feel confident in exploring their vocal potential in their own time and and having the ability to mix up that warm up and those resets and those cool downs for your voice with uh, information and input on what your voice really needs in the moment, you know, with a massive toolbox of exercises, there's loads in there. In fact, pause this now, go and get your place and then come back smugly to this and enjoy. (laughs) Go on, I'll wait. Oh, you're back. Great. Let's crack on. Oh, we should have used that as an excuse to have a drink. I'll do it now. I feel like I've not done a communal podcast drink from my bottle for a while. Right, uh, this half of the interview we get into all sorts. So there's loads of information on prepping your voice for the microphone, resonance, even talking spoons. Yes, you heard me. (laughs) But first, let's hear what Barbara has to say about the elusive conversational read. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about text as well, because you're incredible with text. With this sort of two ways that people work with text in voiceover land and podcast land, one is that for the people who are listening who are like voiceover artists or narrators or voice actors, they're doing that working with someone else's text. Yeah. Then when you get podcasters or presenters, they're working with their own words and maybe something they've written themselves. Yeah. Weirdly, a lot of the time in both camps, what everyone is striving for and what's really hot right now 
is authenticity and like the conversational read Mm -hmm. and not sounding like you're reading something off a page, (laughs) like voice over a voice. Do you have any like advice or guidance on finding that? authenticness. I hate the word, but there isn't another word. Yeah. Well, I think, except I think, I think it is a good word. And I actually, I think the word we have to get rid of is conversational. Great. Because I think what happens is that people then kind of put a conversational tone on it. So, so it all gets a little bit um, flattened out. And, and I think the term we have to go is just talk. <laughs> so, and communicate, talk to someone. Mm. So I think it's because but one of the things I was doing yesterday with some American students, we, we had some Shakespeare, and I, I often do this with people when, when they're funny with text. I get them to talk about something and then clap their hands and they have to go straight into the text. So they're going, well, Ooh, that's nice. you know, what I had for breakfast, I had cereal and I had grapes uh, and a cup of tea. Oh, reason, not the need. And uh, then I, I had, I actually had time for a bath this morning. Our basis beggars are in the poorest things, superfluous. So it's like there shouldn't be a yeah. change. There shouldn't be a change. So, you know, I think what people have to do is how do I reset up that I'm talking to somebody? So maybe I have an object just behind the microphone. I talk to the microphone as if it's a person. I imagine who that microphone is. You know, that whole thing of put a photo by the microphone, behind the microphone. So I think that sense of, I'm really talking and communicating because the minute we're wanting to, yeah, if I'm self-directing and Ilili was so. Let's, I'll read that question out. So I find yeah. it far more difficult to read naturally or without tension if I'm self-directing and I nearly always self-direct. This is classic audiobook territory where you just get the stuff and you just do it yourself. So if no one is there to talk to, any ideas for that? But that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm imagining that there's no one there to talk to. I think the first thing is, you can't direct and talk. You have to do it and then listen back if you want to do that. You can't be listening while you're talking because if you listen while you're talking, it will affect your quality of voice mm. because you are no longer communicating. So what I'm saying to you is that when you're when you're doing it, I'm afraid we have to let go of the self-direction and we have to go, if I'm really communicating. So it may be that if you're doing, I haven't you know, done audio books one thing that sometimes I used to do with people when they had presentations and things, I would do mood paragraphs. And actually, I sometimes did that when I was coaching people who had a long, you know, where a journalist had written, had done a show and they were going to do their own voiceover. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that I would, we would put that paragraph, we'd put documentary or mystery or thriller. So almost taking genres to make sure that people didn't get stuck in one one way of doing it or one tone. Hmm. That'd be nice for audiobooks, I suppose. Yeah, you exactly. Or you could use colours if that worked for you. (laughs) You know, and it wouldn't matter what you used because I think why we self-direct is we're frightened it's all going to be the same. So with an audiobook, there may be a need to just briefly, and I know that's going to take extra time to just read through the chapter and just, or even just to put it into sections that you go, no, there's a gear change here. But then I think... You have to talk. You have to imagine you're reading the book to somebody and you decide who's the best audience for this book. Mm. Yeah, I love the idea that performance is life. We're striving to do what we're already doing. Exactly. Yeah, it's lovely, Anna. Exactly. It's talking, 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 not acting, definitely not reading. I'm not trying to be conversational because often that also takes us off voice. Yeah, because what I find sometimes is people 
people's voice technique gets weird when they're working with someone else's words. Not many people just lose their voice randomly in the day if they're chatting, because, you know, for the most part, our breath supports the thoughts that we have yeah. to say and et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to someone else's thoughts and you're, you're processing words that you've yeah. not written or, or that aren't coming out of you, that's when there's like that sort of slight disconnect between the technique and the But and I the find that I, I've worked with a poet and I have to do the same work with her when she reads her own poems as I have to oh, do with her. Oh, no. writing, it, writing it and performing it are different things. Yeah. Different parts of our brain. That's true. So Mel's just said, that's really interesting. When I studied art, we sometimes did life drawing using colours or sounds to influence the response. Maybe we could apply that. Yeah, yeah. colours are really powerful for image, aren't they? Yeah. And I think that some of the text exercises, like, you know, like walking the sentence, you know, that it might be very good to take those text exercises just with the first paragraphs or pages of a book to really get into the style and flow and the different thought, therefore breath length of that particular writer. Yeah, that's so maybe to walk the sentences, you know, where you just keep walking, walking to the end of the sentence and you stop and you turn and you breathe where you like in the sentence. It's just getting used to that kind of flow of thought. Mm. For, for the first time a little while ago, I did some Sisbury, the walking the text yeah. type exercises with an audiobook narrator. And they were like, I can't yeah. believe what that has opened up in terms yeah. of the flow of the text. It was so interesting. Yeah, I mean, Sis is changing, Sis is changing direction, the punctuation marks and changing chairs yeah yeah they're really good. I just added the walking the sentence one because yeah well, it's great. the actors at the RSC were coming and saying you know the director wants me to do this in one breath and that's all I'm thinking about <laughs> and I thought it doesn't need to be one breath you just need to know it's one thought and then you can breathe where you like can we just have a moment for that sentence it doesn't have to be one breath it's just knowing that it's one thought that is such a pertinent thing for people on in voiceover because so often you have to like get to the end of a really long thought that's been written in a way that's not well, and, and often it's been, I did, I did something, you know, and I mean, the guy apologized to me, he said, I'm sorry, this has been written by scientists. This was never written to be read out, but <laughs> yes. we had, you know, we, I can't remember what it was for, but it was, uh, but it had to be read out, you know, it's yeah. like, okay. And <laughs> yeah. so that's why if you've got a really long sentence, I think walking it and then just not thinking about the breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and let the breath sort it out. And then you only have to manage it if it's still not sorting it out. And then sometimes I'm, I have to breathe before I want to, because if I don't breathe there, I won't be able to get through the next bit. Yeah. And that's what happens a lot of the time with people pushing right to the end of those phrases, because that's what the author says they are. Yeah, yeah, you get yeah. that kind of, the support moves up, doesn't it? And like yeah. the lower area disengages and then the, the larynx and all those muscles. Well, yeah, because if, if, if the belly isn't working, then this is going to have to take over, you know? Yeah. Because if we haven't got a nice stream of pressurized breath, and this is going to have to squeeze to try and create mm. kind of sense of pressure. Yeah, that's such a great sentence. Oh, it's a good reminder because you know, one thought, one breath. Oh. No, um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, whoever came up with that was like, oh, really? So you know, if you have like Laertes and Hamlet has a fourteen-line sentence. Oh, really? We're going to do that on one breath? Really? Yeah. yeah. Don't it's about ha- yeah keeping the thought going through the po- through the breath points and through those moments of pause and because we do it all the time when we're talking yeah, yeah. you know we're, we, we're talking about really. something and we haven't finished and we want to add more and we breathe and then we carry on mm. oh, love that okay let me just check my questions because we've gone absolutely off questions but I think that's always better. <laughs> Um, I'm just anticipating a question sort of from audiobook folks. What I get quite a lot is, um, obviously in audiobooks, they do every single character. 
which can mm-hmm. be of any age, any gender. And I know that you've done a little bit of cross-gender casting type Shakespeare, you know, development and production. Mm-hmm. I wonder what's your approach when it comes to uh, female identifying, playing a male and, and vice versa? In, this is audio, but remember. I think it's really important It's all right for a tiny bit of a catalogue to go down in pitch or up in pitch. But if you're going to do lots, I think it's much better to work with shifts in resonance. Mm. Can you explain resonance very briefly for anyone who's not familiar? Okay, so maybe the best way to say that is to go back a bit. There are changes that happen at the larynx, which are pitch changes. So, you know... I'm not going to be very humble this morning. So I'm not very but so you know if I'm talking down here, I've actually gone down in pitch. But that's that's quite hard on my system because um I'm out of the key of my voice. And it has less it has less flexibility down there. I'm kind of just sitting in one place. And I, you know, I could take I could take it up here and do something. So I could do that just for one sentence. Or a couple of, and I actually can find a way to make that quite comfortable. Uh, but if you're going to do that, you've really got to go. Am I on my support? And can I really relax here? So that that is one thing you can do. But those voices tend to be—they're probably better for cartoons. Mm. You know, they do because they don't sound that real. So those are all changes made. I mean, there are probably filter changes as well, but they're basically, I'm, you know, I'm probably main changes pitch. So resonance is about what happens after you've made the sound in the larynx. So after your vocal folds have done their job and, you know, given you your nice set of harmonics. And basically harmonics are just vibrations at musical intervals around the basic fundamental note. So whatever that pitch of that note is. And then when those little vibrations get through the larynx, there they are in space. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the air around them is still. And this little vibration goes, ooh, and this this air goes, ooh, I'm going to do this. And then the next little bit goes, and then, so now, you know, the vibration has set all the air in the filter, throat and mouth, into vibration, resounding, you know, resonance. So that's what resonance yeah. is. And we have the ability, unlike, you know, I'm just a flute or I'm just an oboe, I'm just a cello, I'm just a viola. We have an ability to change the shape. And it's those shape changes that give us what people call chest mid head resonance the really shape changes here it's difficult because you don't want to you know in a way again it's not entirely under conscious control but what you're looking at I do think of treble mid and bass and I um kind of work a bit with Ken Bozeman's idea of a front room and a well acoustician's idea of a front room in front of the tongue hump and a back room behind the where the tongue touches the back molars Mm. the back room going from you could say from cheekbones because that's kind of soft palate down to here. But what you're looking at is, I think, thinking of the shape as being something the sound comes through. So if you're doing, I'm sorry, I'm not making it's it's hard resonance to explain. <laughs> I know. I know. Doing, <laughs> the easiest one is, you know, it's nice and forward in the mouth. I'm kind of mid resonance. It's it's for me, that's where my pitch is. Yours will be different. Ooh, 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 I feel it in my mouth. Ooh, 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 one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then I might want to go up. So I really want to think maybe I kind of almost think I've gone into the back room and up in, I think of it as a penthouse gone up onto my roof terrace or my balcony. And so we, we are, we are, we are, we are, are. now, it's not so much, I'll feel the resonance there, but the change is in the filter. 
size, possibly fold stickening thingy. But, mm. but so you're just, we are, we are, we are. Okay, so now I can talk. I'm still talking in my own pitch. But um, so I've got much more flexibility, but I might, I might, if it was radio and not, you couldn't see me, <laughs> I might be able to sound a lot younger than I am. Mm. I haven't pitch wise asked to my larynx to maintain a completely Something. different pitch. Yeah. And the same going down, you know, if I, I, the thing with going down is not to go down, is to come out, not to go, we are, we are, because that's going to tire you. But we are, we are, it's like you're opening barn doors. We are, okay, now I can actually, and that's, I think, where you need to go a little bit more for male characters is, mm. is somewhere a little bit more like that, but not sitting down. You can sit down for a line, but if you've got yeah. a lot. Because a lot of the time with audiobooks, it's maintaining an entire male secondary character or something. Yeah. So you you really, I think you have to go, I'm not a bloke. <laughs> yeah. Men read books and do the women characters. I'm giving a flavor of this. It's a mindset as much as anything, isn't it? And yeah. thinking about the way the opposite gender thinks or forms thoughts yeah. or the And the thing we came up with, which I know is a generalization. So, you know, but when we were doing the all-female Shakespeare's was that men take up more space. <laughs> yeah. You know, physically. So so it's that physically and that sense of just taking up more space, feeling that they have more right to, you know, and it, that it's very easy that they don't have to claim it. And I know that's a generalization, but so sometimes it's, that sense of just taking up more space, really, and allow, you know, that sense as opposed to, you know, something that's a little bit. Yeah. But I also think using one's imagination a little bit like as one i mean i know it's different if you're reading a story to a child you know it's maybe 5 minutes you're not going to do that for hours but i think the more playful we are and the more we allow our imagination to take the voice there and then just to make sure it's connected the better you know i think it's yeah. when you push voices into places that when it becomes silly voices which is yeah. a very kind of looney tunes slightly different period of time approach to character yeah. a lot of the time mm -hmm. amazing and there's some amazing talent there obviously but audiobooks is definitely a different sphere and even animation yeah. these days is moving so much more towards realism you know when you talk to yeah. some of the animation directors out there like Dave Peacock he's always saying it's actually what they on games you know they want something that sounds real real they don't yeah. want you to sound like what a talking spoon might look like you know they, they want you to sound like what a talking spoon might look like if because it's real within that context yeah 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 Spoon is a person. Yeah. I think that I think that's something. Something when I do work with character voice with people, which we are going more further with. But having a voice, you know, you're not going to give a talking spoon. Maybe a that it's a bit too big. You know, you yeah. might want to give a talking spoon. So it's like how how does the voice without me tightening here somehow? How do I almost you know do I and maybe it's like the the the, the, the the stem of the spoon goes right the way down to my support and the head is the spoon. So I actually become the spoon. That's a very good image for supported voice, actually. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, you know, whereas perhaps if I'm a, perhaps if I'm a, I don't know, um, a turnip, who knows, what other way I thought it was, you know, that yeah. I have a sense of this big, of this, the base of my turnips down here and maybe the top of the turnip still up there. It's still a whole body turnip that I'm just talking from there out. You know, so I think it's putting the, the image in the body really yeah. yeah putting it in the body in the mm. body again yeah absolutely mm. okay I've one, one more final just final thought in terms of 
prep for speaking on the microphone for anyone who's listening, who's batch recording a lot of podcasts, who's got a radio show that they're doing, any like top kind of secret tips or anything that you think for prep, I suppose? I think, first of all, I would do a very quick uh, physical warm up, standing up and maybe starting with the feet and maybe really moving the hips around. If you haven't got time because you're on the space, maybe just moving your hips around on the chair, you know, and you can do it while you're doing and then I would just really really get this doing and if you know you've got to be intimate or whatever mood you're going to do it in do that mood so you really get that you really it's getting the body it's going this my whole body is doing this it's my belly that's speaking even if I'm very quiet. Mm. So we don't kind of close everything down. Great. Yeah. I think a lot of us have forgotten that we exist from the waist down as well Mm. after a couple of years on Zoom. So a reminder to get those hips going is something I need to stick back into my practice for sure. Have an oil jiggle, get everything moving. (laughs) We've got a, a nice comment here that I wanted to share. The lovely Mark Malin oh, yes. the Barbara's books many moons ago, and they have been a part of my vocal work all these years. Thank you so much for continuing to invest your knowledge and time in the complexity of voice and emotion. Thank oh, you. Thank you, Facebook user. And indeed, the lovely Mark Malin, yes. <laughs> Whoever you are. Um, he's, a, he's a very, he's a very um, brilliant singing coach. He's worked oh, on a lot nice. of shows in the West End. He he worked with Imelda Staunton on Gypsy. Oh my God, that's Boys. like top three theatre shows of all time for me. Yeah, he worked on oh, Jersey Boys. He, he, you know, he's, he's worked on, he's a West End wizard, yeah. Nice. Oh, good. Well, look, thank you so, so much for giving us your time. I really appreciate it. And I can tell from the comments that everyone's finding it incredibly valuable. So <laughs> thanks very much. Ah, wasn't that great? So much in there. Now I've put a link in the show notes to Barbara's website. She's got some brilliant courses that you can download to work on your voice in your own time. And she's doing some voice retreats here in the UK as well. Great minds think alike, eh? My next retreat's all sold out. Woohoo! But I've got Barbara's voice retreats on my bucket list for some time away to work on my own voice practice. Yes, please. So head to her website for all the information on when and where those will be happening. I'll shove a link in the show notes as usual. And remember, final call, you've got until 9pm on Wednesday the 3rd of February, aka today, if you're listening on release day, to get your spot on my next live online voice training course, the Vocal Empowerment Programme. So head to my website, nickrebbenvoice.com and go to the courses tab for all the information on that. It's the first time I'm offering this course and I'm so excited. Oh gosh. I'm going to be an absolute mad agent on this one because (laughs) I'm just really looking forward to it. But it's going to give you so much to explore when preparing your voice, maintaining it and developing it when you're working on your own. Like not everyone has a headspace for one-to-one work at the moment. So I've really tried to distill loads of the common things that come up in my one-to-one sessions into one big fat course so you can pick and mix your technique training together in a way that works for your voice. Great if you're new to voice training and you just want to explore it and have loads of stuff to choose from and get some insights into how the voice works. Brilliant as well for if you've done quite a bit of voice training and you need to update things because let's be honest, voice work is always changing and the research is always developing. So you do have to upskill quite regularly just to make sure you've got all the right stuff in there. So check the show notes for the links. 
But just a huge thank you for joining me on these first birthday episodes. I'm really delighted I could bring some other expert voices too in this podcast. Normal service resumes next week, over and out. And get your spot on the Vocal Empowerment Programme. Thanks for listening to the Voice Coach Podcast. For even more support with your speaking voice, head on over to our free community, The Voice and Accent Hub on Facebook. See you in there.